0: Floats it over the top, bounces into the hands of Scully. Oh, big finish. Great finish from Blaine Scully. That should be it. It should be corner's game. It should be corner's trophy. It should be Europe for the world. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Cardiff Rugby Life podcast and while the first team head off into a couple of weeks off the podcast plows on We've plenty of stuff to get through this week gonna have a look back on the first block of fixtures as a whole and a look ahead to a rather now unfortunately time trip to South Africa which will have to go on. Plus, there's stuff from the Rags and the Pathway, as well as the Autumn Internationals returning this weekend as Wales host New Zealand. But we start on Saturday evening at the Arms Park against the Dragons. Will Boyd has gone out into three-quarter line. (laughs) James Botham, fit enough to win the line-out, and here is Boyd. Oh, was that, were there any arms in that tackle? That Might be worth a look again. Meanwhile, Cardiff in possession. The little dink forward, Lilo, is there for it. No need to look at anything because Ray Lino has scored the first try of the game. So a 31-29 victory for Cardiff then to finish off the first block of United Rugby Championship fixtures in a bit of style. And and whilst it wasn't you know it wasn't the greatest game I think I've ever seen. There was the real lack of X factor moments probably stemming from the missing 16 internationals I think it was across both teams but it was certainly a back and forth encounter and it kept you entertained throughout which was good and watching it back you know, I I quite like a really good defensive display and a very solid set piece display and we certainly had plenty of that from the blue and blacks Uh, I thought it was great to see us dominate a team up front we won't get to see that very often at the arms park throughout the course of the season so to see it on Saturday evening in a a derby where occasionally we have allowed the dragons to get the better of us and sort of drag us down in that sense Um, but you could sort of argue that we were doing the dragging down in in many respects especially once we got the red card and we're sort of backs to the wall a little bit you know we were physical around the edges of the the breakdown held the dragons up a lot and then when we weren't holding them up we got over the ball and slowed them down that way so that if they ever did try and play wide, then we were well covered there because they, they rarely did it off-front football or with any sort of speed to their play. Um, the only times we really allowed them into the game, you know, looking at that first 20 minutes and then a little spell after half-time as well, was when that defence around the fringes of the breakdown was either a little bit disorganised through lapses of concentration or maybe a, a sort of spells of tired legs or where we didn't get going early in the game. Um, and then where we where we were that bit disorganised, we were just sort of making passive tackles on the back foot, allowing them to get over the gain line regularly. But once we fixed that up and and got to grips with them around the fringes, there there was very little the Dragons offered to really cause us any problems, even when they had the man advantage. Um, that came from sort of dominating in open play, but the the main domination from us up front came in the set piece, where you know the scrum was superb, uh, and yeah, you know the props get a lot of credit for that and and rightly so they are the, the key cogs in the scrum, but it was also great to see sort of the cohesion in the way the scrum was moving. Kirby My Hill looked really good holding that front row together. There was good weight coming through from the the second rows as well. Flankers staying packed down and pushing on long rather than trying to get off the, the scrum quickly and onto their feet. Um and then the maul was excellent as well. I thought it evolved throughout the game really well in that the dragons obviously came with a tactic of trying to push us towards the touchline But we had made a couple of tactical changes as the game went on, tried to use their momentum of pushing us to the touchline against them. And that's where the penalty try comes from there with Matthew Screech just taking that uh, defensive push from the Dragons, rolling it around the corner and sending us on our way to the try line with Josh Turnbull at the front. So great to see the coaches and and the the forwards as well themselves learning on the go and, and adapting to the game as in front of them and getting results from that as well. You won't see many driving more penalty tries for Cardiff this season so it's always good to enjoy them when they do arrive. Um, The backs play then you know it wasn't a game for the backs necessarily and uh, and derbies especially our derbies against the Dragons relatively are you know they're they're rarely sort of free-flowing fast-moving encounters. Um, I thought we were clinical when we needed to be I thought Lloyd Williams had an excellent game running the back line and and really uh, was able to pick up and drop down the tempo as required usually keeping it a bit slower so that we were able to hold on to the ball for longer because we were getting a little bit of the rub of the green sort of breakdown wise and, and winning penalties that way um and then when we needed it the game management again was superb you know really look at sent off um and rightly so it is definitely a red card he catches sam davis on the chin it's just too upright going into the tackle um, but once he goes uh, we had you know a little bit of luck maybe in terms of the refereeing decisions with the offside from the kick chase and then the offside from the uh, kick-off as well going our way but once again we we made our own luck by being clever in the way we played we kicked out of hand really well thought Jared Evans is kicking out of hand to look much much better than it did last season so whether that's to do with Priestland coming in or whether he's just worked on that himself over the summer not sure but he looked really good in that sense um, he was ably assisted by Lloyd Williams' box kick can be in spot on. Matthew Morgan and Alamey must be in there. Jason Harris is coming on a big time as, as a footballer as well. He's got maybe not the accuracy out of hand that some of the others have got, but he's got the distance certainly to pin the opposition back, which is really handy to have in a back three. Um, and then we just you know, sort of played the percentages really which isn't something you can always say the Cardiff have done at the end of a game but we are certainly in a position where we are much better at holding onto the ball much more confident of doing that even when the game isn't quite going our way of playing in the right areas and of relieving pressure on ourselves when realistically we could be under a lot more pressure and we should have been under a lot more pressure than, than we were on Saturday it does help that the Dragons weren't great in that second half and particularly... So, once the game got beyond 65 minutes, they were really, they lost their heads essentially. They were trying to rush their attacks. Balls were going to ground. I thought that the nine that come on, the Argentinian lad Bertrand, who uh, I mean, he, he never ever got in control of that attack. He never really looked like he was working in tandem with San Davis. And, and as a result, there was a number of times where Bertrand found himself just sort of crabbing sideways across the pit, uh, pitch. And credit to our defense, though, we, we dealt with their lack of organization very well, we kept our shape won a lot of turnovers and saw the game out uh, individually there's no other place to start really when talking about turnovers and with Will Boyd who was sensational on Saturday I mean there was four turnovers from him during the game and a number of others he was sort of involved in uh, sniffing around the breakdown as well as slowing them down at every opportunity he with the new laws I think and the way Jacqueline is now in terms of you having to show that you're lifting the ball you can't just clamp on he's suddenly come into his own with I think his body shape suits it personally and that he's he's short but stocky so he's got that really low centre of gravity and that he can get down over the ball quickly and then maintain the strength in his uh, sort of hips and his uh, upper legs to to ride out any counter-rucking that comes towards him he is obviously very quick uh, and flexible to get around the breakdown get over the ball uh, quicker than the opposition can arrive at it as well and he's got that despite being out for so long as well which is always the thing to remember uh, with Boyd you know he's missed 10 months and it was a, an injury that could have cost him his career but he's come straight back in um, and is able to his timing at arriving at the breakdown his reading of the game to know where the breakdowns are going to be that he can uh, positively impact as well he doesn't does rarely arrives at a breakdown and doesn't make a positive impact on it which is really good from him in that when you know if he does if he sees that it's not on he's in the defensive line making tackles as well and his tackle numbers over the last two three weeks have been superb so uh, really good stuff from him and, and great to have that depth in the squad as well Um I thought the front row deserved praise all of them as well obviously Domachowski went off early but Brad Thayer back in the Cardiff side after his loan at Glasgow and came on and looked really good uh, Dimitri Arhip had a, an excellent game uh, he got hooked at half time last week against the Sharks but come back with a massive performance against the Dragons on Saturday absolutely dismantled both the loose head props that he went up against in the scrum and, and also got through a fair amount of work in the loose as well thought Kirby Myhill uh, as that finished off a really good fixture block from him um, excellent line out throw in and the scrummaging work they did was really good as well. It's sort of a, an overlooked art maybe for hookers that how good their scrummaging needs to be. But uh, he really held that front row together uh, as the Dragons were losing their shape and allowed us just to, to drive the weight of our eight-man shove through the Dragons. Um, I thought Matthew Screech had a really good game around the field and particularly at Mall time as well. Uh, very good job there, ably assisted by Josh Turnbull, a blindside flanker. And then I've mentioned already Lloyd and Jared's um, running of the game that was one of as as much as it was a forwards performance on Saturday the the way that we controlled the game from halfback was really key to our performance as well and Lloyd and Jared certainly outplayed Roger Williams uh, Gonzalo Burton and then Sam Davis as well uh, on the other side which when you have guys in key positions outplaying their opposite numbers always gives you a better chance of winning good stuff all in all from Cardiff uh, and obviously really good to get the win over the Dragons they are the noisy neighbours at times and yeah they have been improving a bit but. Uh, maybe not as much as they thought they were improving, so it's good to put them back in their box a little bit and extend the winning run over the guys from Newport. Navidi, is they calling over. for more defenders in that direction of the Ospreys. They're outnumbered. Cuthbert, Oof. two men outside seven, seven, seven. Again, the chance was there. It may yet go for Lilo, driven for back in know. the tackle. That's great defending, Lloyd Williams. Columbus over though. That's a superb take by Lloyd Williams. Not the way they planned it, but a great finish from the scrum half. So I thought we'd have a look back at the Cardiff first fixture block as a whole at this point of the podcast. And I think if you're going to rate the first five rounds of the United Rugby Championship from a Blue and Blacks perspective in terms of the old school grades, then it's a solid C for me. In terms of, it is uh, it's a pass, but it's barely a pass, and it could have been a lot better. And I think that comes down to one game in particular. So if you, if you look at the, the five games, four of them are at home. The one away was against the Ospreys, so we haven't had to leave Wales yet. We start off with a good win over Connacht, bonus point in the bag, despite both fly halves going off, played some really nice rugby. We go away to Ospreys, tough weather, always a tough game for us, come away with a losing bonus point. Don't play particularly well, but five points from the first ten, not too bad. Then the Bulls game. Where that second half performance has really shot ourselves in the foot, I think we could have been two wins from three there. We may have gone on to get a try bonus point in the second half if we played like we did in the first half, but they come out really physical, really intense. We make too many errors, don't really get hold of the ball, uh, and next thing you know, you know, we've lost. Uh, I think it was sixteen-three the halftime lead to lose twenty-nine-nineteen on the on the night. Um, we bounce back against the Sharks and, and the Dragons, fair enough. But 14 points from 25 overall, leaving a seventh in the table, it's it's decent. So it's a, a pass grade, but it could have been a lot better if we win that game, even without the losing bonus point, and go to 18 points out of 25, push ourselves up towards the top four. There, we're in a lot better shape than we are currently, and and that's because I think in isolation, 14 points from 25 is decent, and we'd usually be see that as relatively relatively successful, I think. But with the games that we've played and the fixtures we've got, if you look at the table, we've got to play all of the six teams above us again. So the only ones we have played above us are the Ospreys. Obviously we have to play them twice because they're a Welsh team. And then apart from that, I think it's the the two Scottish teams and the three other Irish teams. So Glasgow, Edinburgh always tough games. We've got to go away to Edinburgh and then home to Glasgow, I think. Um, and then whenever we come up against Leinster, Munster and Ulster, we're, we're always struggling with them. Um, I think we've got to go certainly away to Ulster, I think. Leinster's at home, I'm not sure about Munster one off the top of my head. But, you know, wherever we play them, it's always going to be a tough game. So it's that which means that I don't think you can see it as a very good or even a good first fixture block. It's just decent. To be a bit positive, I think it could have been a lot worse. And then maybe in last two or three seasons, it would have been certainly for periods like the second half against the sharks um and for large periods against the dragons there those are games where i think like in the if you cast your mind back 12 months or so to the the first block of games last season we were under pressure a lot in those games backs to the wall stuff and whilst our red zone defense was really good just the amount of pressure we were under meant we were always going to concede points we always end up going to concede tries or or penalties and we were very unlikely ever to get wins from those games, lack of possession and lack of territory. In the games like the Sharks and the Dragons won, we've had periods where we have been back to the wall defending on our line, but we've been able to get out, play in the opposition territory for a bit, keep the ball, and then keep the, the points total ticking over as well. So against the Dragons for example, in that second half, we didn't see too much of the ball, down to 14 men defending for decent periods, but we managed to win the territory battle with 53% territory. That's because we were able to kick a lot better. We were able to set our defensive line a lot higher. When we did have the ball, we kept it for longer periods. Uh, and so whilst we were without the ball, we were playing much further up the pitch and able to to put the pressure on the opposition a lot more, which then leads to their heads going, as I mentioned a little bit before, Uh, And us able to win turnovers or at least stop them scoring or pushing us back into our own red zone. So there is positives. Uh, And I think another positive is what we haven't done really. In that barring the the Connacht game and then maybe brief flashes first half against the Bulls, uh, against the Sharks a little bit as well. I don't think we've got anywhere near our attacking potential in this uh, block of fixtures. We haven't. Really plays at the tempo we'd like to play at. We haven't played with the the fluidity. We haven't seen too many of you know the offloading or the slick handling that we've. Uh, well, not that we've come to expect that we we really need to have uh, as the blue and blacks with our lighter weight pack and with our much quicker fitter players that if we're going to compete. So hopefully with a couple of weeks now, the coaches and the an- uh, analysts will be able to to work on that on us being able to impose our game plan on the opposition, even if they're winning. Sort of, you know, the physical battle around the fringe of the breakdown, or they're trying to kick a lot uh, and force, uh, putting us under pressure with an aerial game. If we can still work uh, our counter attacking well, if we can get the ball into the right areas and start going through the phases a bit quicker and um, up in the tempo when we need to, then I think we, we can go and compete with them. And it's a decent base to build off, but there are obviously question marks about the fact that we do have all these games to play, and, and they do start as well with um, two tough games end of November, start of December so the news from the the URC is that we will be going to South Africa now for those two weekends whereas previously it was suggested that we might be playing them in Italy because of South Africa being on the red list and just issues with travelling down there generally we are going to Johannesburg and I think the Stormers are in Cape Town so they're going to be tough games, you know, playing the Lions in in Johannesburg above sea level, at Ellis Park, and then go into the Stormers on their own patch, who are one of the strongest South African teams. There's no given there, and especially uh, as was confirmed by Dai in the Wales camp over the last two weeks, we're likely to be without all eleven of our uh, players in the Wales squad because if they've played the weekend before against Australia, then they're not going to be right sort of physically, but also they'll have been in a biological bubble for five six weeks. Where you can only go home for one day a week and and whilst it's obviously physically exhausting being training internationally and being involved in test matches with no easy games for wales over the next few weeks it's also mentally exhausting as well and particularly for lads like seb davis and willis Alholo with kids you know that that's tough being away from their family so to then go for two weeks in another bubble i assume we're going to be in in south africa you know that that's a lot to ask of those players especially when you look ahead to games Again, there's four Heineken Cup pool games, there's two Welsh Derbys, there's big games against Edinburgh and Leinster in that fixture block after we come back from South Africa. So um, we're going to go down there with a relatively depleted side uh, and have to try and pick up wins ahead of big games coming up on the back of that then. So that's where I think we'll regret not picking up as many points as possible in this first fixture block when we look back on the second block ahead of the Six Nations starting at the start of February. But long way to go before then. Um, I'm going to have a proper look at what sort of squad we take to South Africa and how we deal with the, that block of games uh, up to and beyond Christmas in a couple of weeks after the Autumn Internationals is done. There is an advantage for the Blues. Ben Thomas, now then, there might be numbers. Matthew Morgan oh, gets passed. Luke Crosby, the final pass. Alex Summerhill in full flow. Oh. One pass should do it, Ray Lilo in support, well done Ray Lilo to stay with, and it's Summerhill. So on to the rag section of the podcast then, and it was a good win for Steve Law's men up in North Wales on the weekend, uh, with an 8-15 victory over RGC at Park Arias in Colwyn Bay, which brings to an end uh, a good first block for the Rags as they uh, go into one week off. Uh, rather than the full autumn international period before we're back in action against Newport uh, a week on Friday. Um, It uh, sees us with four wins from our opening six games of the season. So we're second to Newport, just two points behind them in the Indigo Premiership Cup Eastern Division. And it's probably better than I thought we would do, to be honest. I have to say, hands up, you know, I thought that we would use the Premiership Cup, and it would it would probably be part of a transition and development period where obviously the Rags haven't played for 18 months, and then have come back properly aligned to the first team, uh, properly using the academy um, players and using the the Rags as a pathway from playing age grade rugby into playing first team rugby, as well as there being sort of new faces in the semi-professional squad and a bit more use of first team guys needing game time or coming back from injury as well. I thought all of that would equal a stage where probably there wasn't quite the right gelling of the squad and that you know things would it would be a bit more individual than than team based. But full credit I think to Sir Steve Law along with Griff Reese and the Cardiff Academy coaches for how they've properly integrated everyone together. I understand that you know training is attended by a large number of players on Tuesdays and Thursdays from the academy, from the semi-professional squad, obviously, and then first-teamers who are involved that weekend are, play, are training on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, and so what we've ended up with is, despite the fact that the Rags have used 45 players across these six games, with 13 uh, from the academy, 13 from the first team, and then the rest being either semi-professional or uh, permit players... Um, that we've still managed to put some really good performances on. We've had a, a good amount of consistency in terms of the level of performance as well. I think I know Steve Law was disappointed with uh, the Newport game where we lost in the second week of the season, I think it was at Rodney Parade. Um, but apart from that, I think the performances have been pretty good. Even in the loss to Merthyr, you know, it was just one of those days where things didn't quite go right in the second half. But uh, on the whole, coming out in really good shape, playing really good rugby as well. I think that's the key thing. The pack is still dominant as it as it was pre-COVID times for the Rags. Uh, but certainly the backs play, I think, has taken on another level. They're playing fast. They're keeping the ball alive, really causing teams problems in the wider channels as well as being very direct and physical. The set piece is going very well, which obviously is a, particularly the line-out is a candidate that, for going awry when you're using so many players and the different players are coming in and out of the squad. But um, it's it's holding up throughout the the six games so far and then there's plenty of good stuff individually as well obviously you've had uh, players like garen Smith, Max Llewellyn should have had Alid Summerhill uh, as well who have played uh, Teddy Williams and other who've played for the rags and then gone on and, and been involved in a first team match day 23 this season um you've also got academy guys getting really good exposure and you know, a couple of them have really stood out Theo was played very well um, I thought Willem Bradley's been good when he's been called upon. It's been great to see uh, Sam Moore getting some game time as well from the first team, uh, from really consistent stuff from him as he comes back from injury. Ethan Lloyd's been very good at, at scrum half and Johan Evans in the in the centre as well with Jacob Beatham playing superbly at full-back. So to see those guys playing consistently and, and improving as well, even over this short space of time, they've already improved from the players they were in pre-season to now so exciting where they could go throughout the rest of the season and hopefully on into the first team and um, plus the the semi pro guys you know the guys who've been there for a little while now Morgan Allen Alex Everett both very good um Evan Yardley when he's been coming off the bench in recent weeks has been very good as well uh, and then a couple of the the newer faces Jack Maynard's been running the show very well from from fly half and I've also been impressed with Sean Moore in the second row as I've mentioned on a previous podcast so all good stuff from the Rags and, and they've got a couple of big games coming up over the next few weeks now so while the first team are off obviously if you are a season ticket holder with the first team then you, they do cover Rags games as well we're we'll playing Newport on Friday the 5th of November next Friday um, which will be a really good game 1st three second, 2nd obviously the historic derby as well and then we've got Ebu Vale at home on Friday the 12th before going away to Ponteprith on the 20th and then I think we're home to Merthyr on the 27th I think that's how the fixtures go um, so yeah big games uh, should be very exciting we should see some first teamers involved as well I think Dai will be giving game time to a couple of guys he wants to take to South Africa with him and then for the academy guys and maybe even one or two of the semi-professional guys if they're able to and, and are selected You know, there is a potential to be on that plane to South Africa where there's so many first team players missing and they could put their hands up to try and step up into that first team more regularly. So big games in terms of the RAG season, big games in terms of these guys, individual aspirations coming up, could get down to the Arms Park and support them if you can. Around the corner they go. Big Scottish right, defence this. The best defence in the championship being stretched to its limits. Will it be broken? Andrew Bray says, yes it has. Wales capitalise on a leaky line-out, and Rhys Curry, the Cardiff Colossus, scores his first try in the red of Wales. From the Blues to Saracens and back again, and now scoring on the West Wallian coast. Wales with the first try of the afternoon. Finishing the podcast this week then with a look ahead to the Autumn Internationals for Wales and... I mean, well, what can you say about their opening game against New Zealand, really? Uh, the team selected by Wayne Pivak is probably just about the best team available to him at the moment. I think the pack is sort of undeniably the best that there is. Um, a half-back, I think it was the right decision to go with Anscombe over Priestland. Personally, I think Anscombe uh, has got a better chance of trying to get the back line going a bit. And then also, if there are concerns about sort of his fitness and his ability to play uh, beyond a certain time with his obviously come back from uh, two years out with an knee injury, then it's better to start him and be able to manage him that way than if you started Priestland and he went off injured after 30 seconds and you left with Anscombe having to play 79 and a half minutes there. So I think that was the right decision. Um, and then it, it sort, of, sort of was the least worst option then outside them in the backs, really. I think at centre... Uh, Willis Hallholo was ruled out this week with uh, a positive COVID test so it left only Ben Thomas Johnny Williams and John Davis as real options Scott Williams was called up but I think the likelihood of him going straight in after so long out of the Wales squad and only being called up on the Tuesday of game week was very slim so um, realistically I don't think you, you could expect anything other than Johnny Williams and John Davis to be the starters there but I really don't like Davis at 13 anymore. I mean, he's had obviously he's had serious knee problems and they've basically left him slow. Well, not slow, maybe, that's a bit harsh, but not as as quick as he used to be where his pace was a real asset for him. He's just sort of relatively fast now. He's well, averagely quick, I suppose you would describe him as. Um, and he's also not very mobile either. Sort of, his change of direction isn't massively there anymore. He's alright once he gets going in one direction, but if you run it in with a bit of a step on you, you're probably going to get past him. So um, I, I I think his long-term position is 12, and I do quite like him at 12, I have to say. I, I can see him as sort of a new Hadley Parks-esque player who just does sort of, the not the dirty work you say, but he's a bit of a Swiss army knife in what you can offer in that he's he's handy enough at first receiver he can be a bit of a second playmaker he can truck the ball up into contact he's quite a physical carrier, good defensive leader from inside centre and then he's also got relatively handy left foot as well as a bit of a kicking option, so uh, I can see him that long term, obviously Johnny Williams is another long term inside centre option in that he is uh, he does have a decent distribution game I think it could be better but obviously he's a much better ball carrier, he's a bigger physical guy and he picks nicer lines than John Davis does as well, so Um, it's a bit of a battle between them inside centre. But I I think personally, I would have just gone a little bit balls to the wall with it and and put Owen Lane in outside centre. I don't think it would have been a massive issue to to put him there against the All Blacks in the sense that, yes, I still have questions about him defensively, but I think, you know, we're going to be clinging on defensively for most of the game anyway. So why not chuck him in there and see what he can do? Because we have got a real lack of outside centres in this country. You know, uh, we... If you look at the teams as as you go along, either their starting outside centre is foreign, in the case of Ray Lilo, for example, or they're just not good enough. You you look at the Dragons on Saturday and Jack Dixon's playing there, he's he's nowhere near good enough. And I think their best starting centre partnership with the Dragons is probably Jamie Robertson and Ney Owen, who are both inside centres by trade. The Ospreys have got a similar thing where they're playing Owen Watkin there or Tian Thomas-Wheeler. Um, both inside centres by trade Michael Collins could be an option but obviously he's picked up an untimely injury Um, and then at the the Scarlets, they're still playing Jonathan Davis outside centre which he, he can do a job there in fairness at club level I think but he's just not cut out for that position at international level so um we do have a problem. I think I think Kieran Williams could be an answer at the Ospreys. I know a lot of people say his best position is inside centre, but I think he's probably got the most attributes that could translate to outside centre. Obviously George North when he's fit, Michael Collins when they're fit. But um both got like not great injury records, and Michael Collins obviously untried at international level as well. And then you've got a couple of handy young guys coming through, but you know, Mason Grady is still very young with us. Um we haven't really seen much of, of Corey Baldwin at the Scarlets yet. He didn't really get a chance at Exeter. So uh, it's not a great position for us. So I, I, di- I don't see the harm in putting Owen Lane in there and just seeing if he can give it a go two years out from the World Cup. You know That's sort of what we did with George North and it paid off, so why not try that again? And then I probably would have gone uh, with Alex Cuthbert on the wing then and opposite Josh Adams with McNichol at fullback back uh, I, could, I could also have probably bought into maybe Priestland starting at fullback back um, with Anscombe at 10. I think I'd maybe question how mobile he is to cover a good All Blacks kicking game. Uh, they'll probably look for a few 50 22s in some uh, slightly wet and slippery looking conditions with the roof having to stay open because of COVID. Uh, so, uh, But I, I think I still would have considered him back there and maybe just pushed the two wingers back and had three in the backfield to counter that threat. But uh, it, it is, you know, they've gone with uh, Williams, Davis, and then. Adams and Lane on the wings with McNichol at full back which you know it it is uh, is not a great option but you know there wasn't any great option so there's not really much point in in arguing with it necessarily Um, in terms of how the game's going to go I mean the Old Blacks have named an incredibly strong side and I could uh, dive into all of their strengths but it would take ages they're going to be you know physical at front they're going to move the ball superbly and I've seen a couple of tweets, and I think it might have been Lee Jarvis, the ex of 10, was talking about, well, you know, they're, they're not ready for the rain and the, the conditions. Like, I don't know if you've ever been to New Zealand, mate, but it's, it's quite wet and windy down there as well, so they're going to be fine in the conditions. Um, basically, I think our only hope is to to catch the All Blacks on a massive off day and for Wales to have the performance of our lives, because let's not beat around the bush. You know, you can be the most positive Wales fan, but... Uh, to be to be absolutely frank if Wales win on Saturday it will go down as what probably the greatest Welsh performers of all time certainly so, maybe one of the the best performances in international rugby of all time uh you know we are that depleted they are that strong they've got so much quality they're in good form the, the weather's not really a leveler maybe the the crowd getting behind us a bit can help but the all blacks always thrive when they're like, not the, the villains of the piece necessarily, but you know, when, when the crowd gets going, they can manage to tap into that to feed into their own positive energy, even if it's not their crowd. So, it's going to be a tough one. I think it could end up being quite a long 80 minutes for us. I think basically, we just need to try and cling on to our own positives, try and see if our attacking shape can get going a little bit against the All Blacks, give us a bit of joy with ball in hand. We're just going to have to defend ferociously for 80 minutes. Uh, we're not going to bring much of a breakdown threat, I wouldn't have thought. I think we're going to try and be physical, try and hold them up in in contact, try and slow them down that way. It's not going to be easy, but you know if the All Blacks maybe start off a little bit tighter than they usually do, and then start to get expansive as the game goes on, that would be the best way for them to play, and and hopefully for us, if they are a bit more a bit tighter early on, it means they won't kick off their scoring quite as quickly, and then the scoreline won't be too bad for us. I think that's that's basically all you can ask for from Saturday. So if you are going down to Principality Stadium, uh, you know enjoy it. Still is, it'd be great to have supporters back at an international match day and seeing the Principality Stadium full again will be really good. Uh, hopefully your ticket hasn't commanded you enter the ground too early because I've seen some people there having to go in like two and a half hours before, which does not sound fun to me. But wherever you're watching the game, enjoy it. And a couple of other internationals this weekend, full weekend of Gallagher Premiership as well. Um, I'll bring the pod back next week. We'll look back on the New Zealand game ahead to the South Africa game preview the Rags game against Newport as well and talk about the supporter director at the arms park but until then well I was going to say come on Wales but I think I'll go with fingers crossed for Wales